Two verses in today's gospel often go unnoticed, which can result in our lives not achieving the potential they could. The first is Jesus' statement, if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you, and your joy may be complete. It is important to note that the Lord did not say that remaining in his love would make us happy, but that by remaining in his love, his joy may be in us and our joy would be complete. What does he mean? Man is not designed for happiness. He is designed for joy. Happiness is a transitory state. Students are happy when they pass their exams. One is happy when one gets a promotion at work. One is happy when one sees flowers blooming. One is happy when he or she is having his or her favorite meal. Happiness is a wonderful experience, but it tends to be highly individualistic, short-lived, and quickly evaporates in the struggles of life. Joy, however, has a long-lasting, enduring quality that points to permanence, even in trying moments, and is often expressed in a communal setting. The Apostle John uses the Greek word chara for joy. It carries the Hebrew sense of an ongoing state that is public, endures despite setbacks and suffering, has a communal dimension, and is directed to God. This word is used in Luke's gospel about a man who discovered a lost sheep, and when he found it, he, what did he do? He called in his neighbors to do what? Chara, rejoice with him. The same about a woman who diligently swept her house clean, found a lost coin, and what did she do? She called in others to what? Chara, rejoice with her. The same word is used in Luke chapter 24, verse 52, to describe the reaction of the apostles after Jesus' ascension into heaven. That they, the primitive church, returned to Jerusalem, met the charas megalis, with great joy, and expressed that joy both as individuals and as a community of faith by what? According to the gospel, continually in the temple, blessing God. James, in his letter, chapter 1, verse 2, writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet various trials. And again in the first letter of Peter, chapter 1, verse 6, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer various trials. Suffering negates happiness. But suffering does not have to negate joy. I have often witnessed dying believers who took their faith seriously, expressed joy for the blessings of a good life, even though it had its shares of tragedies, disappointments, and suffering. They expressed 
expressed gratitude to God, placed their trust in him as death approached because they remained in Jesus' love and were confident they would have it completely in the community of the saints in heaven. Now, conversely, I have witnessed dying believers who did not take their faith seriously leave this world with anger, bitterness, resentments, and some even rejected God. The second verse that is often ignored is Jesus' declaration. I no longer call you slaves because a slave does not know what his master is doing. I have called you friends because I've told you everything I have heard from my father. I think Christians today, especially in the affluent West, where we focus on individualism, we focus on individual pursuits, we've lost the concept of friendship. Like the word love, we use the word friend so casually, so indiscriminately, it's almost devoid of meaning. How many, for example, introduce people as friends to others when in fact they're acquaintances at best, but it's considered polite to refer to them as friends. You ever hear someone say, I have 300 friends on Facebook. Isn't that pathetic? They're not friends. They haven't worked together to accomplish a goal. They've not endured suffering for each other. They've not sacrificed anything for each other. They do not call out the best in each other. Many Western societies have so lost this value of friendship that it's not surprising that one of the most consistent complaints heard by social workers, psychologists, psychiatrists, and clergy across all religions is the growing number of people who suffer from loneliness. It's such a chronic and often debilitating condition that can affect an entire society that during the term of the Prime Minister, Theresa May, the United Kingdom became the first nation in the world to create a Ministry for Loneliness back in January of 2018 to address the issue. Now, I am not poking fun at or in any way ridiculing such a measure. But how sad it is that those who call themselves Christian, whatever their church, fail to realize they already have the antidote for loneliness, a personal, dynamic relationship with Jesus who calls us to share in his joy, in his body, his church, his community of disciples. Why is this forgotten? Genuine friendships must enhance the qualities that brought the friends together which means there must be an openness to change as something we tend to avoid. And most critically, friends must make time for each other 
something we moderns are very poor at doing, preferring to dedicate our time and energy to our personal goals and agendas. This is why Jesus is recording, recorded as saying to his disciples, and by extension to us, it was not you who chose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that will remain. Now, what is he telling us? Like his father, from all eternity, Jesus has seen the qualities in each of us that can enrich in friendship with him and through him with others. He has chosen us to enhance those qualities and make them fruitful. He has committed himself to each and every one of us, beginning in our baptism, completely, with 100% of his being, without any hesitation, without any reservation, even if we have spent years keeping him out of our lives or have fallen into deadly sin. There is not one aspect of our being, even those that cause us shame, that he does not want to be part of and, where necessary, as friend to correct, heal, and restore so we can achieve our full potential. A genuine friend desires that his or her friend become all that person is capable of. Now, if that is true for friendship between people, how much more so is it in a friendship with Jesus?